I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Today, I'm so glad to be joined by Jen Auerbach-Rodriguez, who is the Managing Director of Strategic Growth Markets at Merrill Lynch. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Romy. It's a thrill to be doing this, and thank you for having me. So, Jen, I'm looking at your background, and it looks to me like you have been at the same company since you graduated from college, which is extremely unusual these days. Is that right? It is 100% right. It is true. I find myself to be a rare breed these days. I think about my sister, who's three years younger than I am, and she has moved around no less than five times wow. in her career. And yet, lo and behold, I started as an intern at Merrill back in 2007. And as they say, the rest is history. That is amazing. So tell us a little bit more about the arc of your career, why you chose the internship you did, and kind of the twists and turns that you've taken since then. Sure, I'm happy to. You know, it actually goes back to my college days, if I'm honest, where I thought I was going to become a lawyer. I had so every intention. Did. <laughs> so many many and and then you take the LSAT one, two, three times and yeah. <laughs> you start to question that direction. But I mean I had every intention of being a lawyer. I you know, my mother is from the Dominican Republic and the way in which one is oftentimes brought up even thinking about what successful careers look like. You're often told you can be a doctor or you can be a lawyer. And sure. I said, okay, let's do the lawyer route. Let's make my mom really proud. And so I majored in philosophy uh, as an undergrad and even did the internship at a law firm one year. And I just quickly realized that I probably needed to do something different. I needed to think about the future a little bit differently. And I was so fortunate to learn about an organization. At the time, they were called Sponsors for Educational Opportunity, SEO. Today, I think they've rebranded. They're now called Seizing Every Opportunity. But SEO was this unbelievable program that allowed people of color, young people of color, to really learn about a career on Wall Street or a career in financial services. And I raised my hand. I applied. They vetted me. And fast forward, I then found myself interning on an options trading desk. Um, on the fifth floor at 250 Vesey in New York, downtown Manhattan. And candidly, I had no idea what an option was. <laughs> I was hired. Yeah, um, right. That philosophy major in me was really not bearing fruit. Um, <laughs> and I have I, one too, just so you know. I was an American studies major, so I've lived it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It wasn't totally clear how I was going to be applying <laughs> my appreciation of Kant um, on, the, on the options trading desk. But, you know, one thing that was said to me by the gentleman at the time who was running the team was that, you know, your value to me and to this team is actually the fact that you don't come from a classic finance background and that, you know, the hope is that you will be able to take the complex 
and explain it in very simple ways so that when we are describing what do we really mean when we say putting on a protective put or you know, a hedging and monetization strategy, you're going to be able to take those words, that jargon, and you're going to be able to explain it to individual investors in a way that feels really relatable and accessible. And I think that's such an important lesson in that because we all think if I have not done this job exactly, if I don't meet 100% of the requirements of this job, I may not be qualified. But here's this reminder that maybe we've done something else that is extremely applicable, even though it isn't the exact thing, right? And I also see this in women who've left the workforce returning, and there's so many things that we're doing that may be applicable and we don't realize or we don't think of it in that context. That's a huge you know, lesson learned for me. And I, you know, now I think I've practiced taking a chance enough times where I've almost adopted this philosophy that's like, if it doesn't scare me, like truly scare me to my core, I'm taking the easy road, right? I'm not challenging myself enough. And so it's actually become almost the barometer of how I evaluate opportunities, which is the bizarre way of thinking about things if I I channel my 21 or 22-year-old self. Um, I love that. And it's like a muscle, right? Or if you practice it, you'll get better at it. You get more comfortable with taking risks. And so I like to say the rest is history. I, you know, I was on that, trading desk for a number of years. I went to business school part-time. I spent two years every Saturday working on my MBA, which I can talk a little bit about later, you know, sort of pros and cons and, and the whys. But from there, I just continued to raise my hand for new opportunities. And so I sat on a variety of desks within the capital markets organization at Merrill. And today, I am responsible for acquisition, retention, and strategic growth markets, which is really a passion of mine. Strategic growth markets is the way that we describe becoming a modern firm, a modern Merrill, and demonstrating that the future of wealth has a different complexion. If it were to have a complexion other than green, Wealth today looks very different from what it looked like 10, 20, 30 years ago. It's something that, you know, we have spent a lot of time talking about as it relates to women um, and women being the financial decision makers in this country and how mission critical it is for us to be relevant and engaging to women. And then the extension of that is, you know, how we are doing a lot to focus our energy on being accessible and modern and relevant for diverse clients and communities. And so that's the long of short of, of the 13 years that I have working at Merrill. I love it. So backtracking a little bit to that time that, you know, your first week on the trading desk, I can't imagine there were many other women on the trading desk with you and certainly not very many women of color. What was that like, and how did you manage being one of a few? Yeah, well, I, you know, I grew up sort of always feeling like I was one of the only, um, you know, as I said, my, my mom is from the Dominican Republic, but my dad is also um, an American Jew. And so I grew up in this really wonderful, multicultural, interracial household. And so on the one hand, I think 
maybe I had a little bit of a leg up in terms of just being okay with knowing that I was going to look different from the majority of Mm -hmm. others around me. But I do think that then there were these really wonderful moments of not feeling alone at all because Mm. there were women who were around who reached out and made an effort to make sure that I didn't feel like I was the only one. And, you know, lots of examples that come to mind, but I think that it was in this exchange of true relationship building that took place that always made me feel like I see other women, although there weren't a lot, I see other women who demonstrating to me that I do in fact belong here and that we were going to be a network of individuals. Which probably explains why you've stayed for just so many years, because you felt you belonged. And that is definitely one of the predictors of why somebody stays at a company like Dunn. Yeah, I would say I have met such incredible individuals along the way. I mean, both men and women, you know, the woman who I work for today, I've worked for the, for the better part of a decade. And I have to say, she is someone who I very much aspire to be like, I have such admiration for her real intention, I think of giving back and supporting women around her and really raising women up. And I think that it's her along with, you know, like I said, there were so many individuals along the way who have really demonstrated to me that they care and that that is the expectation of kind of passing it forward and encouraging others to find their voice, carve out their space. And it's absolutely the reason why I have stayed at this company. It is because of the people. So you've got a pretty full plate. You've got a a big job and you also have a six-month-old at home. I do. I do. (laughs) How are you still finding time to pass the hand back and to bring other women into the fold? Well, I'd say you have to make the time. You know, on my calendar, I always have at least once a week a one-on-one conversation with someone who, you know, has either reached out to me, has been introduced to me by one of my peers, or, you know, it's someone who I have always had on my radar to reach out to and have a virtual coffee chat with. And I think that, you know, it's a little bit contrived, but it's really the only way that you ensure that you make time for the things that matter to you. Right. Um, And so, my calendar dictates where I am and who I'm speaking with at all times during kind of core working hours. And so that's, I think, the way that you keep the things that are priorities, priorities. It's got to be on your calendar. That's great. And let's talk a little bit about that business school piece, because it is a question I get frequently too. Was it worth it to go get your MBA? I'm sure it was grueling. You were working a a big job with long hours and then going to school at night and on the weekends. Do you feel it's paid off? Was it a good investment? I absolutely think it was a great investment. Where I was coming from, I think the context is important. I was a philosophy major and I was working on the trading floor. And so I really did suffer from that imposter syndrome. I did feel like I had to prove myself and get the degree and get the certifications and the designations in order to be taken seriously. And at the time, 
I guess the the reason why I decided to do it part-time was, you know, the world that we were living in, you know, coming out of the global financial crisis, I also felt like I didn't have a luxury of stepping out of the workforce. Mm -hmm. I, I knew that I had to continue to work. I knew I had to not voluntarily give up my seat, if that makes sense. And so if I was going to further my education, which was really important to me, I knew I was going to have to do it part-time. And I wanted to do it before I started a family. I wanted to do it while I had, you know, perhaps a little bit more energy than I would have if I waited longer. And so I bit the bullet and I applied and I did it. And I will say, while in the throes of it, it is absolutely grueling, but you meet such wonderful people Exposure to the vocabulary in being in an MBA program for me was instrumental. And it did. It gave me a ton of confidence that, you know, I really did not have with my background. And so for me, it was absolutely worth it. I would do it again in a heartbeat. I love that. And actually, I feel really similarly. As I mentioned, I was an American studies major and I also went back and got an MBA. And I think it really helped with. Uh, my confidence and my kind of understanding of the fundamentals at play in so many of the business conversations. That's right. You really, you can't take for granted the value of the exposure to basic principles and, you know, the way in which things get articulated. I didn't have that exposure. You know, I grew up in a home where, you know, we really didn't talk about that sort of things. We didn't talk about GDP. We didn't talk about the overall state of the economy. You know, my parents both worked full time and everything that I was learning, I was learning through my formal education. And so that was really incredibly valuable. You know, it was just the exposure to the vernacular. It's just very well said. So, this has just been a very difficult year and you have probably had a, an extremely complicated year because you had your first child in the middle of this pandemic. Can you tell us and maybe give our audience some advice? Well, I'll say this. I do not have any of the right answers or all of the encompassing answers. I think we're all figuring it out. And one of the hardest adjustments is for those of us who like to plan, for those of us who like to, you know, have that to-do list and check things off and stay really methodical. That has not been the way in which we can operate and survive and thrive. And so, you know, the miracle of having my son is really just that. He was a miracle. We're so blessed that he is healthy he was born at Lenox Hill, May 11th, at the wow. real peak of, of, of COVID. And oh there was so much uncertainty. We all wore a mask. Um, <gasps> to this day, I, I am still absolutely just owe a debt of gratitude to the, to the nurses and the healthcare professionals who were there for me. And just everything that they, in addition, were navigating. And it was just a reminder of how much of a blessing, you know, the small things are. And I think my son uh, brings me the most joy. And he also humbles me every day Mm -hmm. as just as a person, as a human, as someone who thought that she was in total control. 
you know, I'm quickly reminded and I was reminded last night being up at two in the morning with him (laughs) um, that, you know, it's his world and I'm just a small part of it. And I think that giving yourself some grace and being okay with falling really short of perfect at times is the greatest thing that women can be giving themselves right now. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. That's great advice. All right, I'm going to turn to some of our fun questions. What is your favorite karaoke song? Oh, hands down, I will survive, Gloria Gaynor. I am the worst singer ever, um, but if that song is playing, you can bet that I will be making an earnest attempt to sing along. (laughs) I love it. What is your favorite way to practice self-care, which you would be totally understandably excused if you couldn't find anything right now because you have a (laughs) six-month-old normally? (laughs) I was going to say, you know, practicing self-care these days is getting, you know, four or five hours of consecutive sleep, but in a normal environment, oh, definitely um, the manicure, pedicure, and maybe a a head massage. Absolutely. I am a big fan of (laughs) self-care. Excellent. Who is a celebrity you'd like to have dinner with? Well, so many people. I mean, I would have to say Sonia Sotomayor, um, you know, it absolutely was if we could resurrect um, Mm. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, you know, just incredible respect for the pioneers. I recognize every single day how fortunate I am to have the choices that I have today, the opportunities that I have today in terms of my career. Um, And it is not lost on me that there are so many women and men um, who made that possible. And so, you know, RBG would, would be at the very top of my list. Of- yes. But, uh, but it does strike me that there may still be a lawyer in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you say that. You know, I've always wanted to be that lifelong learner. I know it probably sounds a little silly, but I have always wanted to feel like I've never stopped learning. And I, I think that's what I've tried to do in some ways in my career and the career choices that I've made. I think that's why I wanted to go to business school too. In addition to all the reasons we discussed before, I have loved the idea of taking courses just for the sake of. And so, you know, who knows, maybe law school is still in the realm of possibility. (laughs) I love it. Sure. Why not? What is a book you would want to recommend to our audience? Oh, unequivocally, Tiffany Dufu's Drop the Ball. Oh, yeah, we love Um, Tiffany. That is by my nightstand uh, as a constant reminder of really tangible ways in which uh, I can practice keeping myself sane and happy and still, you know, deliver, still know that I am putting my best foot forward and, you know, best foot forward on a Monday does not necessarily need to be my best foot forward on a Friday, but that it is okay to be somewhat less than because the standards that we've probably set up for ourselves are just not fair to begin with. That's great. I love it. All right. This is a hard one, Jen. So at Fairy God Boss, we have a tradition and it goes like this. We see that women are not good enough at bragging 
about ourselves. We don't take credit. We don't speak about our achievements. And so I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to brag to us about your achievements. You're right. It is very hard to do. So um, hard. Well, I think I am proud of the career that I've had at the firm that I've had. I've, I never would have imagined that I would be head of anything at a firm like Bank of America Merrill. I never thought that I would have an MBA. I never thought that my ability to be a, a communicator uh, would be valued. And I also, you know, never thought that I would be able to have a family and get to raise a, a son. And I'm very proud of being able to do those things. And I'm proud that I have a team of incredible people who get to see that as well for any of them who wish to, you know, do similar things or, um, you know, not set any boundaries for them that, that I am playing some small role in demonstrating that you can do it. Excellent. Great job. Jen, I've learned so much from talking about you. And I think I, I loved hearing how, first of all, this sort of insatiable desire to learn, this strengthening of the courage muscle and this learning to love to take risks. And also you were sort of uh, supported along the way by women ahead of you, and you pass the hand back. In light of those themes, is there one piece of advice you'd want to leave our audience with? In addition to all of those, I think, core messages, I think it's giving everyone grace yeah. and being empathetic, truly building relationships from a place of, I want to understand you. And I want you to understand me. And we're going to do that on a human to human level. And the relationship born out of that starting place, I can say firsthand, are some of the most wonderful, um, most rewarding relationships that I have developed over the years. And I think it's, it's absolutely giving everyone the benefit of the doubt and then being so open to people dazzling you in ways yeah. that you could never imagine. I love it. Those are wise words here in November, 2020. Thank you for sharing them, Jen. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy Godboss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly Auto Parts.